Hello and welcome to Cabaret, darlings. We are sponsored today by Millie Dollar Beauty, which you may have noticed also happens to be my name. Um, and that's because I practice what I preach by retailing my own line of biodegradable cosmetic glitters and a range of cruelty-free lashes that are loved by the burlesque community. You can get 10% off your next order by using the promo code, all caps, all one word, Cabaret Darlings. Alright, so now we've done our housekeeping out the way. Yes. Of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to introduce today's guest, which is the one and only Ginger LaRue. Yay, hello. <laughs> I like that you yay yourself. I yayed myself. Yay, me. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. So how are you doing? Good. Well, I've just had, we had a quick chat before, but I'm just yeah. getting over being really ill yeah. with chest infection it, and cold and all the other stuff that comes that with January and year. yeah yeah the, the showgirl flu I'm doing yeah. okay thank you yes I'm good. good I'm good so I might be a little bit croaky but it's all right um we've known each other for quite some time now so you started around about the same sort of time yeah I think I you were probably before me I started in two, late 2007 yeah I started late 2006 so yeah I think just yeah. Only a little bit. Because I remember you being, you existing when I was starting, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I existed. <laughs> yeah, you were like one of the big names that I was like, oh. And yeah. oh, about that, so that would have been a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's really cool. It's really cool that I know you now, so. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. It's like, in, back then, the burlesque community, because it was quite small, yeah. everyone did get to know each other. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, we've worked through that time period of burlesque being like a job that paid okay mm -hmm. and was quite interesting and you know it was um still new and developing and yeah. evolving into yeah. what it is now mm -hmm. but of course it has changed it's completely a lot. completely like, different animal now ma massively and um, you know in yeah. good ways and bad ways yeah. so but you've recently did something new yeah stage. i did <laughs> Yeah. Which was uh, singing. Yeah. Which is, yeah, very different from Burlesque. Oh my goodness, but yeah. But singing a parody of Welcome to Burlesque. Yeah, and um, I, it was one of those things, I'd had it in my head for about three years. Yeah. And I, I was like, this must already exist. Like, somebody must already be doing a parody of this. Because mm -hmm. like, when Burlesque the film came out, everyone just mocked it in the burlesque community and, and that's know. and that song I still haven't even seen it oh it's I, I mean just, to be honest i refuse no like, no thank it's you. you know there's some pretty costumes in it and stuff but anyway and and that song in particular i thought somebody somewhere must be doing a piss take of this song and i, I asked around and i did my research and nobody was and i was like i, sh I should do it yeah. and i did it at sherry baby's show which i've performed at mm -hmm. a million times and know really well and feel really comfortable doing so i was like if i'm gonna do it at all i'll do it at this place yeah. So yeah, so I did it. We've just been talking about not liking listening to your own voice and then I had to watch the footage back to <laughs> check that it was all right. Hear yourself sing. And hear myself sing. Yeah. And I've never sung on stage before, never sung really yeah. in front of people before. Like I'm not even so a person like... that goes around singing, you know, randomly. Yeah. So it was a big, it was quite a big deal. And I was I'm more or less happy with how it went. I think yeah. it was okay. I, I, there's, there's always stuff though, isn't mm -hmm. there? When you look back, you're like, should have done that, should have done that. This needs tweaking, but it's out so there are now. You, are you going to have like a little rewrite, do you think? I think so. So Jonathan Mayer, who was yeah. comparing, who's awesome, is really good at like honest critiquing mm -hmm. feedback, whether yeah. you've asked for it or not. <laughs> Which I, I, at first I was a little bit like, excuse me, but now I really appreciate it because I know yeah. now that, and he's usually right as well. And mm -hmm. I know that any feedback he gives is honest because he's yeah. not afraid to say like, oh, I don't know about that. 
but he had really great he, he was like great concept really loved it try this th- maybe try this this and this and i was mm-hmm. like ooh, okay so yeah. i've come come back with some stuff oh, now that i'm so gonna that try gonna... and yeah, have the second in- inclination. Yeah, inclination. Inclin- in- 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 something. Invention. In- Invention. Something. There's second something. something. Yeah. Because my main worry was I just need to make sure that people can hear the lyrics because that's the whole yeah. point of the parody song and I wasn't too fussed about anything else. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going to have to start adding some more visuals into it, I think. So. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to get the um, sure burlesque costume. I'm going to do some. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah. How is your sure impression? I can only really do Tina Turner. Um, so, <laughs> not so, going yeah, to. New thing. But uh, how would you feel about giving us a little. Um, <laughs> now, I don't mean singing. Oh, God. Don't worry. I'm not like, come sing. I yeah. Mean, uh, some of the lyrics. Well, just it's so, just so like. get a bit of an idea of what yeah. the. the the new version of the song. So it's about. just like the general shit stuff about performing, yeah. and it's mostly like you know, yeah. Your dressing room's a toilet. Oh yes. You've got to yeah. check that your flaps aren't coming out. Um, your nipples are all scabby and sore from pulling tape off. It's yes. all that kind of stuff, and I get quite graphic about it, and I get quite oh. honest. <laughs> um, and it's all just yeah, and you know, I've, one of the lyrics was like, "You spend all your time sewing and traveling for three minutes on a stage." Yeah. When you work out what you're earning, it's less than minimum wage. Yes. Which I liked as a lyric, but I felt bad about singing it in front of someone that was paying me. <laughs> so I had to do a little disclaimer before but, being like, I don't mean you personally, yeah, I just yeah. mean the industry. <laughs> well, I mean, really, even if we do get paid a proper uh, rate for a show, the amount that's spent travelling and rehearsing and yeah. creating a costume in the first place, it doesn't really <clears throat> work out to to a minimum wage exactly um, yeah so, so we, that was more what I was getting at but yeah. I really didn't want her to be insulted by that yeah. line so I had to go to her beforehand and be like just so you know <laughs> I'm up. gonna say this but I don't mean it about you yeah <laughs> and oh, she performs as well so I'm sure she completely understands she knows that. she gets it yeah <laughs> so we're gonna see that more on stages if around if people book me for it yeah, yeah I mean I you're gonna have to have a disclaimer for every producer like not you not you but yeah well I was thinking I might put <laughs> a line in because there's a little instrumental after that line so I might have to do a quick but not this show tonight by the way just so you know yeah <laughs> disclaimer the show tonight <laughs> is paying yeah. me properly otherwise I wouldn't be doing it in exactly. the first place <laughs> yeah so are you tempted now that anytime anyone asks you to come and do a show for like 50 quid You'll just send them the video. Yeah, or maybe I'll just perform that and say it really pointedly as I'm performing that lyric. Look them directly in the eye. Not even. Yeah, Yeah. who knows? Yeah, I mean, if people, you know, the video's on YouTube, if anyone wants to look at it and wants to book me for it, they're more than welcome to. But it's uh, just plugging plugging myself there. But it's not even a skill, really. I I don't class myself as a singer. It was just like a comedy act that involves That you're using your voice Yes. Yeah. A vocal. <laughs> a vocal comedy, comedy act, performance. Which sounds something like singing. Yeah. <laughs> Rough approximation. <laughs> so you generally you perform quite a classic style of burlesque, so quite yeah. the 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. And you have the giant martini glass as well, yes. which is um, the thing that people probably know you most for. Yeah, that's what I get booked most for, but like mm-hmm. n- mostly like private and corporate stuff so not generally what other burlesque people might know me for because it's i feel like people either know you for that yeah or they know you for being a dancing salmon the salmon yeah well this yeah very opposite ends of the spectrum yeah Yeah. (laughs) so the salmon one is i get booked for like the kind of comedy cabaret weird stuff Mm -hmm. 
which is more involved in the scene and then the martini glasses stuff for people that have never seen a Balesho before and don't really know what's going on and generally yeah, just they want go, a bit something ish yeah yeah so have you ever done both in the same show before i have yeah yeah i have <laughs> is that weird to change that mindset i quite or? like it i quite like yeah. having like here i am showcasing my range mm-hmm. <laughs> um but quite a few people have said you should dress up as the salmon and get in the glass and i'm like oh i really should Oh yeah. I don't know could. how or why or when I would do that, but I do quite like the idea of being like a fish splashing about yeah. in the glass. <laughs> but I just haven't got the. I don't I'm know trying, how I would do I, that. I, obviously, I, I don't eat salmon, so I'm trying to think: is there a sauce that they put on top? Oh yeah, it could maybe. Just be you in a giant glass full of melted butter. Yeah. Um, well, you know, not real melted butter because no. that, that would be kind of gross. It but would. You it could would. get a giant butter pillow made. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Seasoning yourself, ready. Yeah. Wrap yourself in tinfoil at the end and roll off the stage. <laughs> that's totally, that's an act right there. It's written there itself. Go. Yeah. yeah. It just one of the get reasons... you a giant prop oven now. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the reasons I haven't done it actually is because I've found it, because I charge more for the martini glass because it's such a pain in the ass and it was so expensive mm-hmm. and just lo- logistics of it. And I find it easier to charge more for like the high end classic hacks than like weird comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd still have to charge a lot of money for it, but then it's a weird comedy thing, and I don't know if people want to pay that much to see like a salmon. I think, we'll see. I think lots of people would love to see a salmon flashing around in a giant martini glass. Yeah. Oh, you can't see it's a podcast, but I'm flapping around. I'm mimicking <laughs> what I would do. I'm flapping my hands. Yeah. It reminds, I'm not a, a huge on Pokemon, but I know that there's a Pokemon that's just a fish oh, that's Magikarp. just on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it'd be Magikarp, but I just sort oh, of yeah. flop about. You never know, Pokemon conventions, yeah. um, Comic-Cons, there's a, the market is a there. variety of opportunities available. You yeah. just don't know. When, mm-hmm. you know. So the best thing you can do really is to, I think, create it and we'll just see from And there. see what happens. That's normally how it goes. <laughs> don't worry about the money that you spent on it. That's true. I mean, It'll I wouldn't really have to spend end. anything <laughs> apart from getting some butter. Yeah, getting a lot getting of a butter. Like a pillow thing. <laughs> So you met your husband through performing. Mm. In a, so like, there's not that many couples that I know that are met in that similar sort of circumstance. Yeah. Like, like me and Ed, we met backstage. Yeah. I only know of a handful of people that met through performing. Yeah. Well, there aren't in... that many single straight men in burlesque. So. Not really, no. <laughs> um, but you met in uh, America at yes. the Burlesque Hall of Fame. We did. Yeah. Yes. So he's a photographer, videographer, uh, and he was working, and I'd just gone as a as a fan i guess uh and yeah like yeah. a little little holiday romance that turned into four years of long distance dating and then yeah. we got married and now he lives here in manchester with me it, it took you quite some time to um for him to be able to come yeah out of we got it was, was a, a exactly a year between us mm-hmm. getting married and the spouse visa being approved wow yeah so the spouse visa prefer. got approved on our one year anniversary yeah so you're like, yay, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. also, it's been pretty shit year. Yeah. <laughs> really it was just a nightmare. And it was so expensive because you have to get, like, solicitors to, like, check all the contracts and yeah. do all the stuff. and yeah. yeah. So I know at the time we spoke about it and you were saying that, you know, you told me a lot of people were asking why you didn't choose to go to America. Yeah. Rather than him coming over here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of things have changed. 
from then to now. Mm-hmm. But are you still quite happy with that decision? Because yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot going on in America, but there's there also is, a lot going on, on in England. I mean, there's <laughs> shit on both sides of the pond at the minute, let's be yeah. honest. I mean, this isn't a political podcast. It ends up being political yeah. at times, yeah. and that is simply due to the way that society is. Well, it, this so is it. I mean, it infiltrates every time. aspect of your life, yeah. so you can't ignore it. Um, but yeah, every, every now and again, I think, oh, when it, when the weather's shit outside, I'm like, oh, I thought I lived in California right now, <laughs> yes. X, Y, and Z. But then it's also, you know, the healthcare and the guns and the cost of living versus yeah. wage and a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things to consider. And, and it just also... made sense because I, I was kind of, he was just working freelance, whereas mm-hmm. I have like a day job and this other yeah. stuff. And it, I was just more sort of stable, whereas he'd moved around quite a lot and hadn't really put any roots down mm-hmm. anywhere. Whereas I'm pretty settled in Manchester, like I've lived there for yeah. 14 years now. And, you know, my friends and I have a family that I get on with, whereas his not so much. So it was kind ah, of easier right, yeah. for him to uproot than yeah. me. But yeah, still still a massive thing for him, like to come over here and, and start from yeah. scratch. But And it must have been quite a culture shock for him. Yeah, like... so he lived in London for three years as a kid, yeah. from like 10 to 13 um but you know london in the early 90s versus manchester today is a whole different yeah, thing so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's he's doing all right yeah he's, yeah. he's working for manchester city oh wow that's great he's doing, yeah. so he's you know he's doing his thing he's doing yeah. all right next i uh, actually met a performer the other night from la mm. um so did the blackpool magicians convention after oh, party. okay and um she spoke to me and she was like oh well I do burlesque sometimes but I, I prefer to do magic because I get paid $25 to do burlesque yeah and I was like oh okay so do you live in LA then <laughs> yeah well even I mean like New York and stuff like um yeah, I like, went to New York it was either LA or New York yeah I, I went to New York about a year yeah about a year ago it was like mm-hmm. last October not the one gone the one before and uh, I considered performing because I thought, oh, I can legally perform in America because I'm married to an American citizen. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what people actually get paid and I was like, it's not yeah. fucking worth it. I'm on holiday. Well, it's, it's kind of the same <laughs> as in London, they having to do two or three shows a night yeah. to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and there were a lot of shows. And, you know, if you're established in New York, you feasibly can do three, mm-hmm. four shows a night and maybe it's worth it then. But, like, yeah, it was just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, uh, you know get drunk and hang out instead <laughs> i'll watch shows yeah i don't want to be in well, <laughs> like the whole stress of traveling over there with costumes and stuff yeah like it's a whole thing it's got to be worth I, it i do want to at some point because mm. i've performed in la mm-hmm. um, but i haven't performed in new york um and i know because i spoke to missy malone about when she performed in new york and she danced at the slipper room. Yeah. And there they, they have the, the little go-go moment and they yeah, dance Yeah, there's a so lot on. of that, the whole yeah. tipping thing, yeah. Which I quite like. But yeah. whenever I've talked about it here, people are like, no, never. Yeah. Um, but I know that when she was go-go dancing, a woman from England came and gave her a $50 bill. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, you're great. And um, it was the first time that that woman had seen burlesque. Yeah. And then some years later... A woman came to my classes and she came up to me at the end of the first one and said, I saw burlesque in New York once. It was a British woman called Missy Malone and I gave her fifty dollars. No <laughs> I, was way. Like, I know what a small world. <laughs> it wow. is, it is. So oh. yeah. So I was like, Oh, 
Do you want it back or? <laughs> Somebody was telling me there was an bringing it right round. This is a pointless story because I can't remember who it was or where it was. But literally about a week ago, I was having a conversation with someone and they said they were performing and there was an American woman in the audience giving mm-hmm. her twenty pound notes in tips. Yeah. And I was like, does that American woman know how, what she's doing? Like how much she's but spending right now? But yeah, that, that's their uh, culture. It's regular in, in America for, yeah. you know, drag queens and burlesque performers to be getting given tips yeah. on stage. Yeah. Um, which is probably why I would say, like, <clears throat> why don't we do that here? Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people are worried about that producers will use that as a reason to not pay people. Yeah. But I think if there are already door splits, then those door splits could have tipping they could yeah and then it would be a little bit more worthwhile for yeah. people to go okay i'll do a door split because i know i will hustle and get those tips yeah i love the concept of it but i just think it's such an alien thing to us yeah. as british people like you don't think many people people would don't think to do it people no. want no to do it and even if Although you started like, asking pound yeah <laughs> maybe if you still had pound notes it'd be a different thing but yeah. like the culture is completely different here, and I think it'd be really difficult to persuade audiences to mm-hmm. start doing that. Yeah, I've only had a handful of occasions where someone has tipped me. Yeah, in a show in England. Yeah, so it's. I don't think it's ever very rare. To me. Maybe it has. I don't know. I don't remember if it has, but I think the most I was tipped was sixty pounds wow. by one person, and I was just I was dancing on a podium in a club. And yeah, like, here's sixty quid, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Got to keep dancing now. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit odd because you're not too sure what to do afterwards. You're like mm-hmm. thumbs up at them, like, it's like and then that. it, that's the other thing that's... I feel like. Okay, do I do I owe that person like special attention now? Yeah, like, I'm like what if I... now I'm just like thanks for it. Cheers. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get back to my job now. Um, <laughs> that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Right, so I have a <clears throat> bit of a story for you today. Yes, I'm excited about this. So, you know, it's all about the history. Yes. So, are you, are you a bit of a burlesque history buff? I feel like I don't know as much as I should. Yeah. Like, I know bits, but I should really be better. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's well, basically don't what... don't you worry, there is a podcast for that. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hey, we're recording it right now. <laughs> I've already learned so much, by the way, from just a couple that I oh, listened really? to. So. <laughs> well, this story, I wanted to try and um, broaden the history from not just being, you know central to one area so it's not just british burlesque it's not just american burlesque cool it's not just one time period it's it's all over right so we're going to talk today about australia's king's cross and mr sin okay these are things i know nothing about so (laughs) this is exciting it is i will warn you there's a lot okay story um Mm -hmm. it goes quite all over the place there's there's a whole lot going on okay there's there's every everything you can imagine pretty much, in this one story. So, strap in, everyone. Strap <laughs> in, strap on, get the tea out, mm-hmm. take the strap on off, because we're not that kind of podcast, yeah. and get ready for today's story. The unfortunate recipient of the nickname Mr. Sin was one Abe Saffron, a nightclub owner, hotelier, property developer, and a fair bit more. Right, right. Okay. So growing up, Abe's mother hoped that he would become a doctor, but he found it more interesting to sell his father's friends loose cigarettes during their poker games, which awoke an entrepreneurial spirit in him. Okay. I love the idea of, like, I, in my head, like, he was probably, you know, a teenager. In my mind, he was like a five-year-old coming in like, Lucy's, <laughs> <Yeah>. Lucy's, <laughs> get your Lucy's! Only an Australian accent, which I'm not going to try. Because no, I will let's offend not. a lot of people. <laughs> because my Australian accent is 
awful. I don't think I've ever even tried. I used to live in Australia. I used to oh, live in right. Sydney. I used to have an Australian accent, but I don't anymore. Oh, so uh, I knew that about you. Not try. <laughs> I also I like that he's called Mister Sin. Like I think it's you're saying that nickname. that's a, an unfortunate nickname, but I think that's pretty cool. He wasn't happy about it. No, he should have. He should have owned it. As There's a thing. lot of nicknames in this, and okay. I don't know. I don't know who they're. Um, resident nickname namer was Australians are good at nicknames good, he had a good run yeah okay <laughs> there's some good nicknames in here so despite attending the prestigious Fort Street High School the oldest government high school in Australia which uh, the alumni includes two Australian prime ministers mm-hmm. previous president of the United Nations General Assembly Assembly okay Supreme Court justices and more Wow. So they're probably quite happy to have Mr. Sin. I'm getting more of an mix. idea like, about this guy. Like, I, I've got an image in my head yeah. of him. Yeah. So it's like, it seems like he was quite smart. Yeah. But just a bit of a cheeky chap. Yeah. Kind of does what he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he decided to leave school age 15 mm-hmm. and join the family business, a drapery firm. I'm not really sure, like, a drapery firm, okay, yeah, probably curtains, but yeah. I just imagine they went in places and just draped bits of, their, like, fabric there and was like, yeah, drapery yeah, done. Drapes. Yeah. <laughs> this has been draped. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. <laughs> so, it's like just a new weird TV show now. Yeah. New reality show. Draped. Draped. With Abe Saffron. <laughs> uh, he joined the Navy, but only to avoid being convicted of a gaming conviction. Okay. So, already getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. You say gaming conviction? A gaming conviction. Okay. Yeah, it was a bit of a gambler. Right. If, I mean, for some I reason, I imagined him on his, on his Xbox, just like, <laughs> illegally right. doing something. We're talking around about the 1990s. I gathered. Probably, but you, you say gaming conviction, my mine immediately went yeah. to, like, you know... He got too excited trying to find a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Around Australia. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so no, it was a gaming conviction. It sounds okay. like it runs in the family because yeah. you know his father loved to play a game, mm-hmm. which he was obviously party to quite early on. Yeah, you know, even if he was just there to sell the cigarettes, that's still uh, sitting in, learning some lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know how you get a gaming conviction. No, but oh. it's an interesting conviction to have. <laughs> totally, it's, it's yeah. a good start. It's a good yeah. start. Uh, but he left the Navy and met Sammy Lee, who is the owner of the notorious Roosevelt Club in Sydney. Okay. Okay, so there's, here's another character. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I wanted to kind of give a lot more context to these yeah, people. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, and now here's Sammy's story. So cool. Sammy was born Samuel Levi in Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada. At a time where excelling at the xylophone at high school led to a lucrative career playing the vibraphone with big bands and touring America. Oh. So, what a time to be alive. Yeah, that's amazing. So, like, I'm pretty good at the xylophone. Gonna go on tour This is now. my career. It's my job. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. So he gained the name Sammy Lee as a stage name and he became a band leader while also running nightclubs in Canada. In 1937... Sammy toured Australia, where he seemed to find his home, as he settled in Sydney and opened a nightclub there in 1939. Cool. So in 1937, he's, like, touring with his big band. Yeah. Two years later, he's like, I'm going to open some clubs and make this my playground, oh. basically. So 
I'm going to go yeah. off on a little bit of, ta- of a tangent. So okay. I told you I knew nothing about 1930s Australia. Uh-huh. I do know one thing. Right. So I went to see a cabaret show at the Barbican in London a couple of years ago, yep. hosted by Barry Humphreys, okay. who's... Um, Who's the Australian drag queen? I've forgotten her Dame name. Dame Edna. Dame Edna. Yeah. So it's Dame Edna, but out of drag. Yeah. Talking about his childhood in the 1930s uh, cabaret in Australia. Uh, and yeah. all uh, the... Do you think there's going to be some names that sound familiar? Well, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, he did talk about the history and I've forgotten all of it. The only thing I remember was that a lot of the music of that era got mm-hmm. destroyed by the Nazis and stuff like that. Although oh, right. I don't know how... Maybe that was people that emigrated from Australia to Europe. And then it got destroyed. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because I don't know you how much I don't know how much the Nazis got involved in far Australia. Away from, from yeah. everything else that was going. But it was on, all so. about like the the hidden like there was basically loads of like forbidden music that came out of Australia in that. I like the idea era. of forbidden music. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it was like, really cool. The... That's my limited knowledge. <laughs> the forbidden beats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Sammy was well known in the area as a large, broad man who sported a pencil-thin moustache, wore brightly coloured jackets, and spoke in a North American accent. I imagine, like, a really hench John Waters. I was just going to say John Waters. As soon as he said a pencil-thin moustache, that was the first yeah, thing that came to mind. In my mind, he's yeah, John Waters. But more colourful. But having been to the gym. Okay. <laughs> Which, okay. having met John Waters, I don't think. You have met John Waters. I have. I'm going to ask you about I don't that later, I never got he, to ask you about it. Uh, it's not that much of a story to tell, sadly. No. We had afternoon tea. That's cool, there was then. a lot of people there. Yeah, he liked awesome. my tattoos. Good. I told him I was tattooed Battenberg because I have one arm, one leg done. And not uh, I see, yeah. And then he was like, what the fuck is Battenberg? <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably yeah. learned something new that day. He did. And I gave him some merch, which oh. I bet he threw right away. <laughs> well, you never know. He might be wearing it right now. Yes, in my mind, John Waters sports a million dollar t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sammy is described as being an excitable, generous, hard as nails, and commonly in trouble with the law. Oh, breaking the law again. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Sammy had quite the influence on Abe and many other young men who Sammy went into business with. Well connected to various high-ranking crime figures, he gained the title of the King of the Cross. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we've got the King of the Cross, which yep. is Sammy Lee. Yep. We've got Mr. Sin. Yep. Who is Abe Saffron. Mm-hmm. So the two names for each two person characters. There, yep. Just like the less dancers. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> just to keep life confusing. Yeah. It is hard. Everyone's got two names. Yeah, I know. I know. And because like, now a lot of my students have gone from coming to my classes as themselves yeah. to now gaining stage names yeah. and getting out there and it's yeah. like oh, oh I know it seems to have name. gone the opposite for me like a lot of my friends the people that I met in burlesque that have now yeah. since long since retired from burlesque yeah. and don't use their stage names anymore so, so I've had to like to slowly back. transition <laughs> back to their actual names which I never yeah. knew them as when I knew them as performers so because there's a lot of people that I know their real names but then immediately forget yeah <laughs> yeah like, cool that's gone that information has disappeared <laughs> you don't need to right out my brain <laughs> like yeah I don't know <laughs> so King of the Cross the King of the Cross it was a strange fact though that I had to include this in here because okay. it was too weird to not include uh, Sammy was also the first person to bring Disney's Mouseketeers to Australia in 1959 amazing what a life yeah what a life <laughs> Just xylophones xylophone playing John Waters Mouseketeers Jim Henchman with the Disney Mouseketeers. Uh, through his work, uh, sorry, through his work with Sammy, 
Abe began his rise to power in Sydney's underworld, and between Abe and Sammy, nightlife in Sydney's King's Cross began to boom. So as well as running various bars and clubs, their empire included illegal liquor, mm-hmm. casinos, yes, and brothels. Of course. They began to have habits in arson, oh. blackmail, and extortion. Wow, okay. So they got busy. Yeah. <laughs> they were very busy. These are like proper old school gangsters. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So this is around about like 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh-huh. Unsurprisingly, they became friends with the one and only Frank Sinatra. Of course. Someone who was 100% not at all linked to any crime anywhere ever, except in all of those examples from when he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every single story I seem to tell lately, it's like, and here's Frank Sinatra. He's yeah, back. he's okay. his fingers he's in a lot always of around. <laughs> <laughs> they supplied Sinatra with a chauffeur and guide in the form of Wayne Martin, who became a lifelong friend of Sinatra's. Wayne Martin had also been a seaman, traveling with the Navy, where he saw the operations over in Las Vegas during its heyday in the 1950s. A lot of gangsters. A lot of gangsters. Probably recognised Frank from over there. Like, mm-hmm. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he took his newfound inspiration back home with him to Sydney. Martin approached Saffron to back him and a friend in opening Sydney's first strip club. Uh, he agreed, and in 1958, the Pink Pussycat Strip Club opened. Cool. So, yes, listeners, that's not a typo. Uh, after the last episode, all about the Pink Pussycat College of Striptease, uh, I found when researching this little gem about Australia's cabaret history. So it's been quite actually quite hard to find a lot of information about um, Australia's burlesque and cabaret history. I bet, yeah. Because even though I, we have the name of the, the Pink Pussycat Striptease Club that opened in 1958, that had burlesque and so on, it's been very difficult to track any information about the individual dancers for that right. era. Mostly because there seems to now be a, a sex enhancement pill in Australia called the Pink Pussycat. Uh, okay. <laughs> so every time that I've been researching this, a lot of things pop up that I are see. like, pink, you want the pill? You want this that's, pink pill? You want well, the little pink pill with a pussycat on it? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was intentional because they knew that that was a strip Maybe, club or if it's just coincidence. Possibly, it could have been, because mm. it did run for about 12 years, so, okay. you know, it, it must have been well known. Interesting. If anyone in Australia has tried Pink Pussy pack, Cat Pill, please let us know what the fuck it does, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very intrigued. So, after 12 years, plenty of strip shows, orgies, arrests, and more... Of course there were orgies. There's always orgies. Um, Wayne Martin sold the pink pussycat to become Saffron's right-hand man and returned to chauffeuring Sinatra. So everyone's linked. Yeah. Basically, everyone knows everyone. Uh, One night after the second tour, Sinatra rang up Wayne to offer him a knighthood, declaring that I'm buying some for some jokers here in the States and can bump up their price to buy another one for you if you want one. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, I I wonder if this is like a, a British knighthood. Um. Yeah. This. Do, can you do that? Can you just be like, here you go. Here's some here's money. Here's a knighthood or, now. This I is... I don't know because I, I mean, I suppose if you are willing to pay the price, yeah, you can have one. Yeah. Um. I don't know many 
people who have been knighted. Like, my mum has got an MBE. Yeah. Um, but someone nominates you right. for that. Yeah. And then I think they research and go, yeah, deserving or no. Yeah. Fuck off, you're not having an MBE. Um, but I don't know if you remember when she did get that MBE. I took a photo with it in the back of a taxi. I do vaguely remember this, yeah. <laughs> for service to, to burlesque. <laughs> million dollar MBE and loads of people believed me. Now, you can never make jokes on the internet. People no. will not understand. They'll just take it yeah, completely at it, face value. People really believe me and even for a while afterwards I have to have to tell people like no I didn't get an MBE. It was oh, a joke. That would be amazing though. I would love an MBE if anyone wanted to nominate me but I just don't think that they would look at me and go yes deserving. She looks great with that ball gag in her mouth. Um, <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think they're going to be like oh, maybe not. You know, the Queen doesn't invite you around for tea. It's not that kind of life. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so Wayne said, sure, as you would. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, I'll be a knight. Uh, and received all the regalia, including a full diplomatic passport. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, not bad going, yeah. I think. Uh, and Frank, Frank Sinatra yeah. just bought this for this guy. Yeah, he just liked him. too. So from then on, he was known as Sir Wayne Martin. Amazing. So, yeah, he got, he got knighted. And he didn't even have to go to England. <laughs> he just no. got it in the post. Wow. Which is an interesting thing I've learned today. So you don't even need to go there. Oh, right. You just get it in the post. Oh. Yeah. So there's no, like, sword No, business. he didn't get all the swords or any of that. He just he just got a, a press pack or something. Press pack. <laughs> <laughs> like when like you join a fan club or something. A goodie bag. Yeah. Of um, knighthood regalia. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's fascinating. I'm so, going to look this up later. I do know, actually, though, that when you get an MBE, you don't have to pay for the MBE, but they have an official photographer, and if you want those photos, you have to pay for them. Oh, okay. Which seems a bit like... That's oh, a bit of a... Come on. Yeah, that's a bit of a... Hmm. <laughs> like, you pay for a photographer. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're living in this big old house. <laughs> exactly. You know, Why do I have to pay for the photographer? So, yeah. Uh, in an interview conducted in 2008, Martin lamented over the characters of the time. Some more nicknames for you now. Okay. Such as Raccoon Roy. Good. Who wore a fur coat. Oh, okay. And Two-Story Ted. <laughs> named <laughs> because he used to rob two-story houses. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And that's it. I love that they stuck. Yeah, two-story Ted. He's, like, he's probably getting really pissed off. He's like, you rob a couple of two-stories, that couple of times. I wonder if he like intentionally started robbing bungalows after that just to yeah. try and like... It's like, see bungalow Ted doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> or three story houses or yeah. you know, mixing it up. Yeah, I think three stories Ted still works. Mm. Yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. actually. <laughs> so you need to uh, find out who gave nicknames because I want one now. <laughs> I want to know what I'd be. Uh, so... Abe Saffron decided to open up a different style of entertainment venue along with Sammy Lee, building the purpose-built theatre club called the Carousel Club in the heart of Sydney's King's Cross and produced a show called Les Girls, which opened in 1963. So it's the French Les Girls. Les, I was going to so say, is it L-E-S? Les Girls. Girls. Yeah. So it's like Les Girls. Les Girls. Yes. Okay. So this show consisted of drag and trans performers Miming and dancing in what they labelled as an all-male review. Interesting. Which is quite interesting when you look at their um, promo. 
Yeah. There's all these beautiful, like, drag queens uh-huh. and trans showgirls all in their full outfits. And it says, oh, male review. <laughs> it's like, ah. Okay. <laughs> you got to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the show became instantly popular. Mm-hmm. And the review began to tour in RSL shows in the suburbs. So okay. RSL means Returned and Services League. So they were a support organisation for men and women who had served or are serving in the Defence Force. Right. So throughout Australia and New Zealand, and this is even now, there are 6,500 licensed RSL clubs. Wow, okay. Yeah. Cool. So it's quite a lot for something yeah, that I is a hadn't lot. heard of. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. To this, so. Yeah, yeah interesting. Quite interesting. Yeah. But I just love the idea that they were like, drag show. Yeah. Yeah. The like 60s, that. let's do it. So, the Lay Girls became a high-end must-see show in Sydney as performers danced around in elaborate sequined and feathered gowns, lip-syncing to songs by Etta James. Cool. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the review was many Sydney Ciders. So, Sydney Ciders is the official name for people from Sydney. Okay. Uh, this is this many Sydney Ciders' first introduction to drag and trans performers. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Like, even now we think of Sydney as being quite open to drag performers yeah, and trans yeah, performers. Totally. And this is where it all kind of began, yeah. really. When the show travelled to Melbourne in 1970, the troupe caused a sensation as the performers were officially classified as male. Mm-hmm. They required police permits to appear in female attire whilst travelling to the show. Oh. And were forbidden to appear on the streets in female clothing. Wow. Okay. So they travelled to the show already in the... Yeah. So they could travel, like, done semi up. Like, right. as we and, do. But they had to know. have a permit for but that. But yeah, you need a permit to, do, to dress as a woman as wow. well. Wow. Okay. And you think, like, 1970, that doesn't seem that long that's ago. That's not that long ago at all. That's, yeah. But, you know, a lot obviously has changed since, yeah. since then. I'm going to burp. That was a good one. That was a... Keep that in. (laughs) That was a big one. Don't edit that shit out. That's good. (laughs) I want people to hear it. (laughs) I'm really surprised that they would require a permit. Like, who came up with the idea that... Who checks these permits? Like, there's someone's job to go, where is... Like, what would they call this kind of permit? Well, like, who was the person that sat down one day and went, do you know what? If a man is ever going to dress in a dress, in dress in a dress, dress in a dress, yeah, I would like to have a permit for that. Like, why? Where did yeah. that co- concept we come need from? Legal approval. <clears throat> it makes of that absolutely no sense to me, but I guess you know. Strange. It yeah. <laughs> really is. I just want to know what the name of the permit was, like, and how. Where's, like, where's what... your dress permit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and like what the boxes on the farm were that you had to tick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like there's a separate one for stockings. Yes, like, you had to have a um, a full itinerary of all yeah. the items you were gonna wear. Like, yeah, yeah. Huh. interesting. And then at what at what level? Like, could you get away with men's clothes but some lipstick? You know, yeah, could you they, get they away with makeup. no makeup but a little bonnet? Like, where's the line? <laughs> like, I'd be interested to I know like the, precisely the idea is a bonnet. <laughs> I was trying to. Sexy drag show. Get your bonnet. (laughs) Oh, that's so sexy. It's a sexy item of clothing. (laughs) The show itself gave off the air of sophistication, imported champagne, cocktails, and top shelf spirits. 
you find the show at the Ritz in St Kilda. Hmm. Yeah. So it was a high-end upmarket yeah. show. Okay. For men who had permits to dress as, as women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very weird. Very, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So, yeah. Well, one performer who began her career with Lay Girls was Carlotta, who was discovered and named by Sammy Lee. Does this sound familiar? It does. You're like, the name Carlotta rings a bell, yeah. but maybe I'm thinking of something else, but we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, Carlotta, it sounds like she she did a lot. She yeah. went through a lot. She saw a lot. Okay. <laughs> so Carlotta worked her way up through the ranks in the club, eventually becoming the face of Lay Girls and the show's compare. So I like to imagine, like, she did that whole cliche thing of, like, she was a coachette girl to start. Yeah. And then they gave her a line in the chorus. Yeah. This is, <laughs> you haven't back. seen the last of the movie, but that's the thing, is what yeah. happens in that film, basically. Oh, like, no, have I The small town girl starts off, you know, I can't remember what she starts off with. Yeah. yeah. She, like, with the cigarette tray. Yeah. All yeah, that. works her way, way up. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, no, I've accidentally written a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Carlotta was also the first recipient of a gender confirmation operation in Australia that was well publicised. Okay. So there had been operations previously, um, but none of them were really publicised yeah. until Carlotta. And um, even though like she'd gone through this gender, like, gender change, gender confirmation surgery... Uh, she remained the face of the show, which was more progressive towards trans showgirls back in the early 1970s than certain TV shows seem to be today. Certain, a lot of places seem mm-hmm. to be today. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, very interesting. She's still yeah. able to be the face of the drag show. Some people might want to take notes <laughs> on that. <laughs> but I mean, she must have, I'm making assumptions here, but I, I imagine she must, she kind of had it easy from people. Like, people will have given a shit. No, I don't think she would have had it. Like, I I know that in that sort of time <clears> period, they very much relied on safety in numbers. Yeah. So, especially yeah. walking through King's Cross, because obviously a lot of crime mm-hmm. was going on in that yeah. area. There was a lot of brothels, strip clubs. It was kind of similar to London Soho yeah. during that same time period. Cool. So, yeah, they would have travelled together yeah. rather than... Walking around separately. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. they would have had their permits out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I've got my permit. Got my permit. Leave it's me alone. <laughs> Carlotta became, and is still known today, as the most famous showgirl. Showgirl? Showgirl. Word. Hard. Showgirl from Lay Girls. Going on to have a part in Australian soap opera number 96. Oh. Yeah. Where she played the new girlfriend of a character called Arnold Feather who is a comedic character who is perpetually unlucky in love. Right, okay. Okay. So, probably see where this is going. Yeah. So, in her storyline, it was soon revealed that Arnold's new girlfriend was, in fact, a transsexual showgirl, ending their romance and her part on the show. And a long history of trans people being the punchlines of people's... Well, yeah. Yeah. But while the storyline itself doesn't sound particularly progressive, it was the first time a trans character on TV was played by a trans actor anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. So she was the first trans woman to play a trans woman Mm -hmm. on TV ever. 
Amazing. But I don't think that storyline was really the one. No, but it's you like, know. oh no, it's actually, you know, not what I you mean, think. I mean, that's just oh, like, poor Arnold Feather, he's so that. unlucky in love. Um, yeah. Yeah. But still, you know, trans people are still having to deal with being the punchline. Absolutely. Um, even now on certain TV shows that we may have alluded to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, still not always actually being pet played by trans people, so. Mm. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cool. That's quite a lot of that, now, isn't there it? There is, there yeah. is. <laughs> so Carlotta became known as the Queen of the Cross. Yes. So, which makes sense, because Samuel Lee discovered her, so. Mm-hmm. King and Queen. Yeah. Uh, and her touring with the Lay Girls show inspired a certain little movie you might have heard of. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. Because yeah, they toured regularly for years all yeah. over the suburbs. Um, yeah, so. That's awesome. Came quite well known. Uh, you can still see Carlotta perform now. Um, after starring in Lay Girls from 1963 through until she left the to- troupe in 1992, she spent 26 years touring with the troupe but over 30 years with Lay Girls, the show. Wow. Yeah, so she still performs today. You can see a one-woman show of hers. Um, she regularly performs in Sydney, um, and she appears on certain TV shows, so I think she did Celebrity Come Down With Me mm-hmm. in Australia. Okay. <laughs> so she's still very much out there. Wow, Yeah. that's awesome. So it's pretty cool yeah. story for her, like, yeah. Now we're going to get dark. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's like, this is nice. I'm preparing myself. This is not so nice. Okay. Despite the legitimate success with the clubs and shows, Abe Saffron was still somewhat a shady character, Mm. really earning his nickname of Mr. Sin with the most scandalous part of his legacy happening in 1975. It's like, oh, somberness now. Yeah. Except I'll still probably burp. Um, (laughs) Because that's... Just who I am as a person. Um, yeah. In the early 1970s, there were major plans to redevelop the King's Cross area by Frank Feeman, a man who had made his millions through lingerie. Okay. There's a lot of. I'm just. I'm being licked, by the way. Are you being licked? <laughs> oh, Jake is in the room. <laughs> Jake, the the wee podcast invader, making his. I was like, I'm not going to ruin the, the this appearance. tone by mentioning that I'm being licked. But Hello, uh... Jake. <laughs> You're right. We're gonna we're gonna listen to some you know horrid story now. Thank are you, you <laughs> Jake? Are you ready? <laughs> Good boy. Okay. So, uh, yes, the backlash led to much illegal activity, as the residents refused to leave the area earmarked to be demolished, with one resident being kidnapped, held for three days, and released with the threat of death. Wow. So they were not playing around Mm-mm. when it came to trying to evict people. Right. Things around the redevelopment had become violent as residents were regularly harassed by men hired by Feeman, led by former police detective Fred Crahey, a detective who was sacked due to allegations of organising bank robberies and being a suspect in the alleged murder of sex worker and whistleblower Shirley Briefman. Wow. So, not a savoury character. No, not great. Yeah, it doesn't sound a peach. For no. Sure. Deserve to lose his job. Journalist and heiress. Is it heiress? I think it's heiress. Hi. Heiress. 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 He
Eris. It just sounds like a noise. Eris. Well, we should probably try that again. <laughs> the journalist and heiress, Juanita Nielsen, lived at 202 Victoria Street. She became involved with the anti-development movement, which went on for over three years. So they fought for a long time. Mm-hmm. She owned her own newspaper called Now, an alternative newspaper local to the area of Sydney's King's Cross. It would seem that she was considered quite a threat to the redevelopment as several strange occurrences began to happen. Hmm, Mm, did they know? They did indeed. Nielsen was invited to a press night by club employee Edward Trigg on the 13th of June at the Carousel Club, which is, of course, the home of the Lay Girls show. Mm Mm-hmm. When she didn't show up, Trigg was furious. Right. Yeah. A few days later, Trigg called Juanita to arrange a meeting at a travel lodge to discuss (laughs) advertising relating to landscaping, but Nielsen was suspicious and refused to attend. I can't can't really blame her. Yeah. Travel lodge. Travel lodge. Like, no, thank you. To discuss landscaping. Yeah. We want to put an advert in your paper about landscaping despite us being a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few days later, Trigg and another man called Nielsen to arra- again try to arrange advertising the carousel's business lunches. Calling her house before they showed up at her door, it is theorised that they planned to grab her as she opened the door, but her friend David Farrell opened it instead. Okay. So Nielsen listened in from the other room as they talked about advertising again before leaving. So there's a lot of like, we want adverts, adverts, mm. adverts. Mm-hmm. We want to put adverts in your paper. Um, but because, of course, it was independent, she wasn't going to give free advertising by going to a press night. Mm-hmm. And then the other things, a little bit yeah. weird. A little bit weird. On the 4th of July, 1975. You know it's not good when the full date's in there. No. Uh, Trigg once again invited Nielsen to the Carousel Club in order to discuss advertising for the club in her paper. Right. This time Nielsen kept the appointment. I met Trigg and another man. After the meeting, the receptionist at the club first claimed that Nielsen left alone. Later changing her story to state that Nielsen and Trigg left together. Okay. Nielsen was never seen again. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hmm. Trigg's girlfriend at the time later told a journalist that he had returned home that night covered in blood. Wow. With a receipt in his shirt pocket signed by Nielsen, which was also covered in blood. Oh, dear. Not good. No. And I know this, this, he's a shady character and a really horrible man, but because he's called Trigg, all I can think of is Trigger from Only Fools and Horses. And that's what he looks like yeah. in my mind. So my, my worry is like because it's Nielsen, I always think it's Leslie. Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> yeah. Like, these are not the people. Yeah. <laughs> these are not the people I should be picturing right now. No, I know. <laughs> it's like we're somber, but Leslie Nielsen, he's good. <laughs> so, on the twelfth of July, eight days after the meeting at the carousel, her handbag and personal effects were found strewn across a freeway in Sydney's western suburb. Oh. So, although her body was never found, Trigg and two other employees of the carousel were charged with conspiracy to kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Trigg served three years in prison. Okay. One man served two, and the other was acquitted. Oh. So, in 2003, the carousel secretary changed her story again 
claiming that she had seen Nielsen's body in the storeroom below the club. In 2003? In 2003. She suddenly decides to do this. She decides this. With three men, including Trigg, standing over her, one man held a gun and Nielsen had a fatal bullet wound. So she waited from 1975 through to 2003 to go, oh, actually, yes, I did see her. Oh, my God. Um... But this was also at the same time where one of the club owners had just passed away. Oh, okay. So I think she was a little bit yeah. scared of the repercussions. Fair enough. But kind of a little bit too little, little, too, little, little bit. too late. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So as her body was never found, um, we cannot be sure of what really happened that day. But we do know that Nielsen was planning a huge expose on the vice, corruption and crime in the King's Cross. An expose that would undoubtedly would have had implicated many, including Edward Trigg, Mm -hmm. Sir Wayne Martin, Sammy Lee and of course Mr Sin himself. The owner of the club where Nielsen was last seen alive, Abe Saffron. Mm -hmm. In 1983... A coronial inquiry into Nielsen's death determined that she had probably been killed. The inquest also noted that her death death may have not been solved due to police corruption, which crippled the investigation into her death at the time. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's kind of standard mobster practice, I guess. Yeah, I'm like, that tracks. Yeah. That makes sense. For sure. Totally. 100%. The Mr. Sin, a.k.a. the boss of the cross. Mm-hmm. Two nicknames. Two nicknames, Saffron. <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. Abe Saffron was quite a busy man. And there's great irony that he stated in 1963 that the cross was becoming an unsafe place, describing it in his own words as bloody dangerous. Probably not for you, though, mate. Yeah, not, not so much for you, but yeah. definitely, you know, the woman that you're having kidnapped and killed uh and yeah wow so there's there's a lot yeah we've we've met some shady characters there's a lot of shady characters yeah up in that biz um (laughs) a lot of men being shady yeah doing shady shit yeah frank sinatra's there (laughs) as he is as he all the time and uh, yeah wow so it's still never been Clusters solved, and mm-hmm. um, there's many theories, but the same five names crop up again and again. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she was about to write a huge expose doesn't seem like it would have merited well for all of the the guys yeah. that we've just been talking about. Wow, what a story! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of always ends on a bit of a somber note, but it's like, well, oh, I'm, I'm so glad sorry. Carlotta's okay. She sounds like she's she's, having a great time. Yeah, she's still going. She's still performing, you know. And um, there's plenty of videos of her, like, on YouTube. So you can actually watch it. It's a name that I've heard, but I wouldn't have, off the top of my head, been able to connect it with anything. So Well, she's got that single name fame. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. That was was interesting. Yeah. It's just a shame it kind of ends with... Yeah, that. yeah. Um, but it wouldn't have really been the full story without addressing definitely you know, that, yeah. that, that part of it. There's such, I mean, we look at like, you know, sex workers essentially through throughout history. Yeah. There's a lot of that, you know. It's a, it was a dangerous so, yeah. thing, and you know, a lot of a lot of people are getting bumped off and yeah, all kinds of 
horrible stuff happening. So mm-hmm. it's good to talk about it and it's good to, for people to know the history and yeah and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of nice to be able to talk about, like, a, a whole new place. Yeah. Because everywhere has always been like, oh, this thing in America mm-hmm. and there's this thing in, like... And we did have one in France. So, you know, yeah. I'm trying to get right across the world. Yeah. And, you know... Get every part in, get every continent cool. in. <laughs> you know, we are um, an equal <clears throat> opportunities podcast. <laughs> yeah, cool. We'll talk about everything. <laughs> but yeah, because I do have a, a bit of a tendency of going through stories where there's usually some crime involved. Yeah. And possibly a murder or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am a, a fully self-confessed murderino. Yeah. So that does, you know, those stories are very intriguing to me. Yeah, well, they are. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favourite serial killer? <laughs> Let's end it on a, a, a nice uh, light note. <laughs> I can't say that I do, really. No. Uh, no, no. I don't think so. If you listen to the episode where I had um, Johnny Bongo on, I asked him that question and mm-hmm. he responded with, who's your favourite dictator? And <laughs> I think that was probably the best response. That is a good, that had, is a good really. response. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. So, um, now we would like, you know, some good... Nicknames, a la yes. King of the Cross and yeah. uh, <coughs> Two Story Ted. Two Story Ted, yeah. <laughs> Which is a brilliant name. I it love is. that. It That's is. good. It's like, why? Why Two Story Ted? Oh, well, he likes to uh, <laughs> likes to rob those buildings that are one floor stacked mm-hmm. on top of the other floor, but so then nothing wonder, else. Like, with Abe being like King of the Cross, like, yeah. with names like that, sometimes I wondered, okay, did you just call yourself that and hope yeah. that it caught on. Yeah. Or He's like, like, I'm the king of the cross. Yeah, you know, yeah. people like to call themselves the king of yeah. somewhere or the well, queen of somewhere. Well, it was uh, Sammy Lee that was the king of the cross. So, yes. But he was Canadian by birth. Right. So. Yeah, so. It's what? like, can he be king of the cross? Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if he just decided one day that that's what he is now. Yeah. With his pencil thin moustache. Yeah, and nobody was going to disagree. They're like, like, yeah, okay. I'm king of the cross. And never like, all right, John Waters. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's Two Story fun. Ted probably didn't come up with that himself. I imagine somebody else started calling him that. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was like Deb Prowl, like, I'm Two Story Ted, me. Yeah. Show me a house with an extra floor and I'll rob it. <laughs> Maybe not so much. No. I just like the, the, <clears throat> the guy who got called Raccoon because he wore fur. Yeah. And that was it. That was all it took. That's all it It's takes. like maybe just one day someone wears the hat slightly wrong and they're like, oh ho! Yeah. <laughs> Here he comes. Old hat McGee. <laughs> Cowboy Carl. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have friends with nicknames from random, like, it's tend to be definitely a boy thing where they like give each other nicknames Strange based nicknames. on the most bizarre random occurrences. Yeah. We've got a friend called Purge. And um, the the reason he's called Persh is because apparently one time he got drunk and declared that he was a Persian prince, and now he's now he's now he's Persh by most people. Yeah, I mean shit like that, you know. Well, it's a good thing he didn't rob any two story houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you and, for having uh, me. It's been cool. With me on this journey of quite a lot of crime. <laughs> a lot of crime. A lot of crime. Australian. A crime. lot of drag. Yeah. A bit of striptease. Yeah. You know all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not so much the murder. So no. So, yeah. That's interesting. And on that note, <laughs> that was Cabaret, darling. <laughs> <laughs>